Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett. So glad that you're joining us today. This is part two on having joy that remains. And we are spelling out the word remains, R-E-M-A-I-N-S, all the way from the book of John, the Gospel of John 15. And uh, now somebody was asking me, now, why do I always try to alliterate things? And I love to have things that begin with the same letter. And uh, the reason I do that is because it's very helpful to help me to remember things, okay? And uh, I don't know if you know anybody that personally has ADHD. People that have ADHD, they tend to talk fast. And uh, the reason that I talk fast sometimes is because I'm afraid I'm going to forget what I'm about to say. So I have to say it fast so I don't forget. And that's how our minds work. And so uh, some people think that ADHD is a curse. And uh, attention deficit distraction disorder is what I have. It's not a deficit. It's a distraction. So when I think about joy, I told you yesterday that joy comes from salvation. It's so joyful to know Jesus Christ as your Savior, to know the fact that He has forgiven you of your sins, to know that all of these bad things that we've done, all these sinful things in our lives are no longer held against us, not because we're better than anybody else, but because we have received forgiveness from the Lord. So that makes me joyful, knowing that my sins are forgiven. You know, joy is not just an emotion. Joy is a spiritual weapon. We use this in the battle, right? The joy of the Lord is our strength, said Nehemiah. And so Paul said, I want you to know that I am so filled with joy because of the partnership that you have in the gospel. Paul is saying, I'm joyful that I'm saved. You're joyful that you're saved. And we have this very special partnership in the gospel. And the, the Lord who began this gospel work in us is going to complete it. Philippians 1, six. you know, I'm a big proponent of memorizing God's word. Philippians 1.6 says that he who began a good work in you, that's Jesus, he began a good work in you, and he's going to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. What does that mean? It means he's going to keep working on you. Uh, you're a work in progress. I'm a work in progress. He's still working on me, right? I remember as a kid used to sing that song, he's still working on me. Uh, it, it took him a week to make the stars and the sun and the moon, and, and he's still working on me, okay? He's going to keep working on you until he takes you home. So you meet him face to face. And so joy comes from salvation. Number two, joy comes from significance, knowing why you do what you do. There is something invigorating about having a purpose, having a mission. I think about when my wife was uh, expecting our, especially our first child, but she did it with all five of our kids just before these children were born. For some reason, my wife turned into like like Wonder Woman. I mean, she was like running around trying to get everything done. And I says, "Honey, you need to rest. You're about to have a baby." And uh, and and she had that that exuberance about it because she knew she was about to have a baby. And she's like, "I got to take all these things and get them done uh, before this child is born." And so she has me. Or not now. The problem was she had me running around with her, right? Painting the house and cleaning the house and putting uh, cribs together and and uh, and and washing everything and cleaning everything and uh, I tell you what she worked me uh, really hard just before those kids were born and she was filled uh, with a purpose she knew that a child was coming and she was going to carry out that purpose and she was so excited about it you see joy comes from significance listen you're a chosen person you're a royal priesthood we're part of a holy nation. We are actually called God's special possession. And because of that, we have this opportunity to declare the praises of him who has called us out of darkness into his wonderful life. 
Now, if you think I'm just making all that up, it is found in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 9. Your purpose, my purpose, is to share the story of redemption. You know, I found something neat about people who love to share the gospel, love to share the story of redemption. They tend to be happy people. I guess one of the reasons why they're so happy is because there are so many people who need to hear the gospel. It's like, man, we have all these people that need to hear the gospel, and we got to carry out that mission, and that gives you energy to carry it out. There's a third thing that I think we need to remember about joy before we spell out the word remains, is that joy comes from our salvation. Number two, joy comes from significance, knowing our purpose. And number three, joy comes from security knowing that we are safe in the storms of life. Jesus declared in John 10, 28, that I have given you eternal life and you're never going to perish. No one can snatch you out of my hand. Oh, I love that. Now, that doesn't mean we don't have times of sorrow. Jesus said, you're going to have sorrow, but I'm going to see you again and your hearts will rejoice. And nobody can take that joy from you. You see, joy is not the absence of sorrow. Joy is being uplifted even in the midst of sorrow. So Jesus says, no one can take that joy from you. And I want you to know, uh, you can't even take it from yourself because you didn't earn it. You didn't do anything to get it. You just received it, right? The joy of the Lord is our strength. So let's spell out how we can live a life filled with joy. A theme verse, John 15, 11 says this, I have told you this so that my joy maybe in you, and your joy might be complete. So that's John 15, 11. But before we get there, we got to remember who's who and who's in charge. Jesus said, I am the vine. My father is the gardener. Verse number five says that we are the branches. So remember who's in charge. Remember who's who. So we learned yesterday that an ordered life is a surrendered life, which is a joyful life. Secondly, we learned yesterday that Everyone gets pruned, right? He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, he also cuts back the branches that do bear fruit. Now, he does this so that we can be more fruitful. He cuts back so that we can produce more. So remember who's who. Remember who's in charge. Remember everyone gets pruned. And then letter M. This is where we left off in the broadcast yesterday. Joy is maintained by remaining. You see, too many people are just unsettled to be filled with joy. They have not learned that stability brings joy. Whether that be in their marriages or in their jobs or, or in their churches or, or even in the house they're living in. Look at how Jesus puts it. He says, you are already made clean. That's verse number three, John 15. Because the word I have spoken to you is in you. So now he says, the word's in you, now you remain in me, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So my joy is maintained by remaining in Christ. Now this is so important. When David confessed his sin of adultery, there's a whole chapter in in Psalm 51, where David is crying out to the Lord. He is confessing his sin. Nathan the prophet has pointed out the sin to him, and he falls under conviction, and he confesses of that sin. And now notice what David does as he prays. 
Part of his prayer was, Lord, restore to me the joy of my salvation. He didn't say, restore to me my salvation. His salvation was intact. But what he was praying that God would restore to him was the joy of his salvation. Sin caused him to lose his joy. Uh, That's what sin does to us. It diminishes our joy. Now, you can fake it and put on happiness. And sometimes uh, we understand that because Moses made it very clear that sin is pleasurable for a season. You know, it feels good for a season. It might make you happy for a season. But after that comes the judgment. Uh, So happiness is temporary because it's based on happenstance where joy is much deeper. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And we discover that joy comes from a solid fellowship with our maker. We know this is true in relationships too. Now, I'm sorry to say that occasionally my wife and I will have a disagreement. And occasionally we will not see eye to eye. And we have even gone through a time in our marriage where we were not speaking to one another. Now, no, thankfully, it didn't last uh, very long, but uh, we probably spent a day or so uh, in the past uh, not speaking to one another. Now, what happened during that time? We were still married. We still loved each other, but we were out of fellowship with one another. The fellowship was broken. Uh, the joy of the marriage was gone. If somebody came up to me and says, hey, are you married? I said, oh, yeah, I'm married. Are you happily married? I said, well, right now I'm not, right? Uh, but I am married, right? When did the joy come back? The joy came back when we were reconciled, when we confessed our sins. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Well, I thought we just read that we're already clean because the word that has been spoken into you. Well, that's a declarative act. You've already been declared righteous, but from time to time we get soiled. And we have to confess that sin, not because it takes our salvation from us. That sin doesn't make us unsaved if we're saved. That sin breaks the fellowship. So that's where Jesus said, remain in me as I also remain in you, because no branch can bear fruit by itself. You must remain in the vine. You can't have joy in a marriage if you're not in a good relationship with your spouse. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Now that word remain, according to Webster, means to stay behind a while. Will others withdraw? You stay to be left after others have been removed or destroyed, to be left after a number or a quantity has been cut off or subtracted off. Now, get the meaning here. Everybody gets pruned. Even branches that are productive and fruit-bearing get cut back. During the cutting back, during the pruning, that branch has got to remain. Not all of the branches severed off. The tips of the branches Some of the areas where it is producing fruit, some of the areas where it's dying is cut back, but the branch must remain. Now, when Jesus was here on this earth, and if you remember uh, the night that he was going to be betrayed, he took his inner circle, Peter, James, and John, and they went into the garden to pray. And then they went up and Jesus went a little further and he asked his disciples, I'm going to go on a little further. You guys stay here. Would you go ahead and pray for me, right? And remain here in praying. In Matthew 26, 40, Jesus returned to the disciples and he found that they were sleeping. They didn't remain in prayer. They fell asleep. And Jesus said, wakes them up, says, man, weren't you guys able to watch with me for an hour? 
And so he asked Peter, watch and pray so that you do not enter into temptation because the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Now, Paul later talked about this, and he says, you know, I'm spiritually, I'm I'm willing, but the flesh is weak. The body is weak. So we must maintain by remaining with Christ. Don't abandon ship. I told you yesterday, one of my favorite poems is a poem by Edgar Albert Guest, and it's called Don't Quit. And this is where we must do our part in remaining in Christ. When things go wrong, as they sometimes will, when the road you're trudging seems all uphill, when the funds are low and the debts are high, and you want to smile, but you just have to sigh, when care is pressing you down a bit, rest if you must, but don't quit. You know, life is strange with its twists and its turns. Every one of us sometimes learns, and many a fellow turns about when he might have won had he just stuck it out. Don't give up, though the pace may seem slow, and you may succeed with just another blow. Often the goal is nearer than it seems to a faint and faltering man. Often the struggler has given up when he might have captured the victor's cup, and he learned too late when the night came down how close he was to the golden crown. Success's failure turned inside out, the silver tent of clouds of doubt, And when you never can tell how close you are, it may be near, even though it seems afar. So stick to the fight when your heart is hit. It's when things seem worst that you must not quit. Oh, I want you to know something. The time that you feel like you most want to quit, hang in there. So many times God was ready to bless the socks off us on a Wednesday and we decided to quit on Tuesday. Well, hang in there. You know, Jesus is my lifeline to joy. And as long as I'm with him, no matter what storm I go through, as long as I am maintaining that my relationship by maintaining and remaining in him, I will bear fruit. It may not feel like it, and it's just around the corner. You know, I find an amazing thing, and, and uh, I, I bought these plants, these flowers, and uh, they were lilies, and uh, these lilies bloomed great until it got hot and dry, and then they seemed to die off. And so I kind of went and I cut off all the dead parts of these little plants. And, and I thought, well, I probably won't see them bloom again until the spring. And so I said, for the next uh, several months, we're getting ready to go through uh, the fall and go into winter. I said, they probably won't bloom until the spring. You know what amazing has happened? Uh, they are blooming now. I cut them back and they are blooming now. Uh, sometimes God allows us to bloom in unexpected times if we will remain in him. I don't know how many times I could tell you about uh, times that I wanted to quit. And I said, what in the world am I doing? What is the use of carrying on? Why should I keep showing up every Sunday? And uh, I got discouraged one time and I said, you know, I spent all this time putting a sermon together. And and within a relatively short time, within 72 hours, 95% of what I say, people forget. Well, that's human nature. And, uh, you know, I found out something else about that statement. 72 hours after I give my sermon on Sunday morning, I forget it too by about Wednesday. And so I guess I can't be too hard on the congregation. If half time, I can't remember my own sermons, okay? But I got so discouraged one Sunday, and, uh, and I had a, a young lady came to me at the end of the service, and she reminded me how much God was using our church to bless our community. And she told the story about her neighbor uh, who came to our church, but then stopped coming. And then she came back and recommitted her life to Christ. 
And as a result of that recommitment to Christ, her life has taken on a whole new direction. Uh, she's met a young man that she wants to get married to, and, and I ended up doing their wedding ceremony. And I got to think about that little life that was impacted, all because we decided not to quit. Listen, don't quit. Hang in there. Stay while others leave, because at just the right time, God will bring a harvest. Well, we're talking about joy today, and I want you to know, as we get down through spelling out the word remain, we're down to the letter A, and I want you to know that you're alone no more. John chapter 15, verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Now here Jesus is reminding us that we are no longer alone in our journey. Apart from him, you can do nothing. Jesus is always with me. If you do not remain in me, he says, you're like that branch that is thrown away and it withers. Such branches are to be picked up and they're just thrown into the fire and burned. So this is what I want us to take away from verse number five and verse number six. I want you to know that if you know Jesus, you know joy. I'm talking about K-N-O-W. If you know Jesus, you know joy. But if you have no Jesus, N-O, there's going to be no joy because in the context of what Jesus is saying, he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. You cannot have the joy of your salvation if you're not in Christ. If you try to go it alone, you're going to discover that you have no joy. Oh, you're going to have seasons of happiness. I'm not going to say that you, you're never going to be happy without Jesus, but you're never going to be experiencing that full joy because your foundation is not on Christ. It is on something else. You know, if you've lived here in the, the Hampton Roads area any length of time, you probably remember a couple of key events like Hurricane Isabel. That was uh, the front page of the news back in the early fall of 2003. And I remember Isabel so well. And I remember it because uh, we had decided that we were not going to evacuate. Uh, it had been downgraded to a Category 2 storm. And so we said, hey, we can ride out a, a Cat 2 hurricane. Uh, no problem. We have plenty of water. And it was at a time of the year where, thankfully, it wasn't cold. Uh, so even if we lost our electric, we might be a little bit warm, but we're not going to be uh, freezing to death or uh, we're able to survive without electric for a while. And, uh, and so we were ready. But if you remember, uh, if you were here, and I know it's, it's been a long time now, uh, way back in 2003, but we had a ton of rain. I mean, days and days and days of rain prior to Hurricane Isabel hitting the coast. And it revved through the middle Atlantic states and, and uh, came off the shore with its fury. And it, it actually hit us right near Cape Hatteras, North Carolina. Well, you know, something else happened at, uh, the, at the Hatteras Lighthouse. And you might remember way back in 1999, the shore was eroding away by, by the Hatteras Lighthouse. And so they decided that in 1999, they're going to move the Cape Hatteras Lighthouse and they were going to bring it in further inland. And so they moved it in 2,900 feet closer uh, off the shore or closer off the uh, waterfront. And they rebuilt the foundation and they moved it. And everybody was worried, right? Uh, they said, no, here we invested millions of dollars in moving Cape Hatteras. Is all of our efforts going to be in vain when this Hurricane Isabel hits the shore? Uh, is that lighthouse coming down in spite of all of our efforts? 
Well, I remember I saw some pictures, and when the storm hit, the only road to the outside was destroyed. Adderus basically got cut off. Oceanfront houses were swept from their foundations, and, and they were dropped elsewhere on the island. The entire, uh, an entire hotel was deposited like a soggy cardboard box in the middle of a street. Uh, there were appliances that littered the island, but Hatteras Lighthouse stayed right there on its foundation at the tip of the island. It remained standing. Why? Because of its foundation. Because it was standing solid on that foundation. You know, Jesus uses the same type of illustration as he's driving home the point that apart from him, you can do nothing. If you build your life on a foundation of anything else, you will have no joy. Do you remember when Jesus gave the illustration of the house that was built on the sand and the house that was built on the rock? Now, these two houses looked identical. They had identical plans. The floor plan was the same. The exterior was the same. The roof line was the same. These two houses looked identical, except for one thing. The only thing different between these two houses was one was built on sand, the other was built on the rock. Now, as long as there was no storm, everything was good. You know, hurricanes and storms do not make a foundation, they reveal the foundation. As long as there's no storms, everything looks good. Everything is coming together and, and you're enjoying life and you're going through and, and there's no problem, really. Everything's cool until the storm comes. The storm reveals where we are connected, where our foundation is, where our center is. And apart from Christ, you can do nothing. So maintain your relationship with him. You know, we go through hard times. I love Psalm 23. I've got four verses that I kind of, I call my go-to verses when things are going sideways in my life. Uh, Psalm 23, verse number four, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Now, isn't it strange that David uses the valley of the shadow of death? He didn't say, I go through the valley of of death, he goes, I go through the shadow of the valley of death. You know, shadows can't hurt you. Shadows uh, sometimes can be scary, but you think about a mountain, it will cast a great shadow down into the valley. And so David likens physical death as to walking through the valley of the shadow of death. He said, I'm not going to fear any evil because you're with me. All right, apart from me, you can do nothing. Remain in Christ. You will go through the valley of the shadow of death, that physical death. And if Christ is with you, you have nothing to fear because he is with you. You don't fear evil. As I was thinking about the shadow of death, I was reminded of a, of a pastor many years ago whose wife passed away and he had two young children. His job was to do his wife's funeral and and I can't imagine the anguish that he must have felt and the, the grief he was experiencing and, and to be able to go through and, and do his wife's funeral. And at the conclusion of the funeral, he was driving home with his children in the car and, and they came up to a railroad crossing and the gate went down and so they stopped. And, and, and as they're sitting there waiting for the train to go by, uh, one of the children asked about what happened 
to their mom? Will they see their mom again? And of course, the dad tried to comfort them the best he can, and, and he was using that 23rd Psalm, verse number four, talking about going through the valley of the shadow of death. And he was trying to explain to his children that mom, she didn't really die. I mean, she died physically, but she didn't die forever. Her soul, the real part of her, went up to heaven, and, and to be absent from the bodies to be present with the Lord. And, and so he says, it's kind of like this train that is going by in front of us. This train has cast a very large shadow that is covering our car, and we're in the shadow of that train. And he said to his two children, now, now did that train hit us? And the little girl said, no, no, the train didn't hit us. The shadow hit us, but the train didn't hit us. And he says, no, the shadow can't hurt us, can it? We are safe. Uh, we are going through the shadow of death. We're not really going, uh, mom didn't really go through death. She is with Jesus right now. She has no fear of evil because the Lord is with her. You know, Deuteronomy 31.6 tells us that we should be strong and we should be courageous. We should not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He's never going to leave you nor forsake you. Well, thank you so much for listening today. I hope you join me tomorrow because we're going to have to do part three on this message because we didn't quite finish it up. So join me tomorrow as we talk about remaining in Christ so that our joy may be filled. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 1030 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ there is always hope for your heart.